Do you wish that all things wealth and finance were much easier to understand and not presented by a bunch of beige cardigan-wearing geeks? Welcome to the Clever Investor Podcast, where we're dishing up the easiest-to-understand finance program served in bite-sized chunks, so your brain will thank you as your knowledge grows. Hosted by the brilliant Owen Taylor, a multiple award-winning expert with a glorious knack for explaining the complex world of wealth in the simplest of ways. Hey, Clever Investors, and welcome to another show. This is part two, where we started looking at the problems and some solutions to avoiding the shortfalls when we're heading into retirement. And I don't care what age you actually are, it's always a great time to start thinking about your long-term financial future. So let's have a look at the questions around saving or growing your wealth. You've got the choice. You either are going to save it or you must grow it. Now, savings is really code for superannuation. It's compulsory, which is a good thing and is part of the solution. But for most people, it's simply not enough. And it can't be the primary solution for all of us. So the only other way to bridge this gap that we may have when we're coming into retirement is to go for growth. We need to look at leveraging from what we've had. So what we need to do for that is to buy something that grows in value over time and will create some sustainable equity for us. Now, there's only two things that you can really borrow to buy either shares or property. Investing in shares is a tough road and it's not the way that most people actually want to look at growing their wealth. There's a certain amount of um, being uncomfortable with managing shares. You really need to be on top of them on a regular daily basis and understand a lot more about it. You've also got to be quite comfortable with the risk that is associated with shares. Share prices can go down very quickly and quite volatile and you've got to have the courage and the know-how to actually hang in there a bit. So for somebody that's not comfortable with that, the reward over risk you are left with is then to look at investing in property. Now, our Australian story is one of successful immigration and population growth arguably the most successful in the world. It's hard to deny that we have the best address on earth. Everybody wants to live in Australia and I really can't blame them as somebody that emigrated here many years ago. We truly are this lucky country. In the year 2000, our population was round about 19 million. Today, some 22 years later, we are nearly over 27 million people. In the blink of an eye, we've added over 8 million people to our population. And let's just pause for one moment. That's the entire population of Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide combined and added in around about 22-ish years pretty spectacular. In 10 years time, we will then be at about a population of 30 million Australians. Having added 
to this ever-growing population. And by 2059, conservatively, we are expected to reach a population of at least 40 million people. Now, if you take Sydney's population as of today, we're looking at about 5.3 million people. So that means that in 10 or so years' time, we will have added an entire Sydney to our population. And by 2059, we will have added about 15 million people to the nation's population. In other words, we're expected to be adding at least another three Sydneys to the population of Australia. Now, this growing population needs a place to live. And what's generally understood about Australia is simply how big our main cities are. You could fit the entire population of Ireland into Sydney and New Zealand's into Melbourne. Not only are our main cities abnormally large, but they are one of the most highly concentrated populations in the developed world. 78% of Australia lives in New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. And 88% of the new population that's coming to live in Australia and call it home want to live on this eastern seaboard of Australia. 50% of Australia lives in our three largest cities compared with 16% that live in the three largest cities of the UK and only 5% of the US. The concentration pressure is immense and it's intensifying. This pressure is one of the primary reasons for our incredibly successful investment property story. But there's much more pressure to come. Investing in researched, well-located properties and holding them during all of this coming wave of growth is the primary wealth solution for most Australians. It's this primary solution to the gap that we talked about in the previous edition. Our ever-increasing population needs somewhere to live, which brings us to the subject of housing and investment property. There's only two ways to build all of this housing for our growing population. Either the government must provide this housing or it's the private sector that's going to take on this responsibility. Seeing that the government is not in the business of being a landlord, that's not the role of any government, whatever your political affiliation is, this then leaves it on the shoulders of the private sector normal, everyday Australians to do this job. It's only fair that the government then provide these everyday Australians with an incentive for investing and taking on some of this risk. Consequently, Australia has actually built one of the best tax systems in the entire world to encourage us in the private sector to invest in property. We call it negative gearing, and you've probably heard that terminology, and it works. Despite all the political back and forth on the subject, it's a national necessity, and it's the engine that builds all the properties required for this growing population. We have a finite amount of time before we stop 
working. In that time, we must do two things. We need to create sufficient wealth to live in, which means buying and maybe paying off your home. But at the same time, we need to build enough wealth for the future to live on. These two strategies need to be executed concurrently and sequentially as we only have a single block of time before we actually stop working and getting paid to work. The sooner we start executing both strategies simultaneously, the higher chance of greater success. The average Australian household net wealth is supposed to be around the $900,000 mark. And the average value a home is of around about 700000 So saying that in a different way, looking at it from a percentages point of view, the average household lives in 77% of its wealth. Now, this doesn't leave much to live on. We are a nation that lives in most of our wealth. So we've got to start to see things differently. We've got to think differently and we need to start acting differently. Just beneath all of your own numbers lies the truth of your financial situation. Changing your perspective on these numbers is going to change the way that you think about the truth of your own numbers. No matter the complexity of your situation, it can be simplified and summarised into a framework. Understanding your net position in the context of your age is a vitally important part of seeing how you're progressing towards financial independence. Taking the next step and seeing how much of your net wealth you are living in, i.e. your, your home, and how much is left over to actually live on is another critical breakdown that focuses on your two primary financial goals in your journey towards your own independence. These goals for most people are to pay off your home and a pot of money large enough to generate a comfortable income in retirement. In conclusion, today's average 65-year-old couple has, so we're told by the Superannuation Associations of Australia, about 355000 in super. Now, unfortunately, this is nowhere near enough for what lies ahead. This leaves most Australians with a large retirement gap, which is the difference between what they want for a comfortable retirement and where they're actually going to end up. For most, this gap is too big to fill up with savings. So the alternative then is to work on a growth strategy, a strategy that involves borrowing and buying something that will increase in value, create capital growth, and property is the only practical growth strategy for most Australians. I hope you've enjoyed this week's edition and I'll see you again next week on the Clever Investor Podcast. You have been listening to the Clever Investor Podcast, proudly sponsored this week by Blue Wealth Property. Are you ready to start a new investment journey? Get in touch with the industry leaders, Blue Wealth Property. 
Blue Wolf have a proven track record in using research to identify growth markets. And Blue Wolf have supported thousands of Australians to buy the right property in the right market at the right time. Go to bluewealth.com.au.